Hey everybody, it's Brad, and we want to bring you something a little special this week. For all of our wonderful listeners, we want to give you one of our patron-exclusive episodes. I sat down with Paul from the Countdown Podcast, and we recently went through the newer Planet of the Apes trilogy, Rise, Dawn, and War, and this is the episode for Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We want everybody to be able to hear what it is we do over on our patron feed. If you want to hear more, head over to patreon.com slash the cinema guys, and you can hear more of my discussion with Paul, as well as I just finished up a director's mini series on David Fincher with a few other podcasters. I had a blast doing them. Thank you so much to everybody who listens, everybody who is a fan of the show. Thank you to all of our patrons. Before we go, make sure you follow us on our social media over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, which you can get links at wearethecinemaguys.com. We are giving away Blu-ray copies to season four of Yellowstone. The explosive fourth season of Paramount Network's Emmy-nominated series Yellowstone is now on DVD and Blu-ray. Both come with all ten episodes and over four hours of special features, including featurettes and much more from Paramount Home Entertainment. But like I said, follow our social. We are giving away copies of season four of the Blu-ray. If you're a big fan of Yellowstone, make sure to head over there. So you can win yourself a copy of season four. Without further ado, let's jump into the patron exclusive episode I did on Rise of the Planet of the Apes with Paul from the Countdown Podcast. And we will be back next week with the Batman. Hey everybody, it's Brad. Welcome back to another bonus episode I'm excited for today's guest on this one. This is a a podcaster. I love listening to his show, and I am so excited to have Paul from The Countdown Podcast join me to talk Rise of the Planet of the Apes. How you doing, Paul? Good. Thanks, Brad. Thank you for the very kind words. Uh, Yeah. Look, I'm I'm a cinema guy's listener, and although I have to wonder, have you considered changing it to be like two guys a girl and a movie place or something like that. <laughs> there has been discussions in the past of the name. Okay, yeah. <laughs> a cinema doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would take that lying down. No, no. It, they, I think it, it, it comes up from time to time still. And I'm just like, at this point, too late to I re-brand. kind of feel like we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're stuck with the name. Because <laughs> <laughs> some people will look at it and go, just think the picture is just a guy with long hair. And I'm like, no, it's it's not. <laughs> <laughs> how how accurate are the pictures on the Cinema Guys logo? Uh, actually, fairly fairly accurate. Nice. Oh, you always wonder these kind of things. Are they just loosely representative? Were they representative <laughs> of five years ago, and things have really changed, or are they spot on the marker? So you're here to talk Rise of the Planet of the Apes with me. I am. This is a movie that came out August of 2011. Did you see it when it originally came to the theaters? It's a film that holds a pretty special place in my heart. For a long, okay. long time, I had this theory that if I saw a good movie on a first date with a woman that I was 
going on a first date with, or maybe not first date, but first time to the movies with a woman that I was okay. starting yeah. to see. If the movie was good, the relationship ended up going well. And this film is the film I saw with my now wife. So, well, there, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it it is a little uh, higher on the list then, re- regardless of what, how you feel about the film. Yeah, well, it is. It's not. <laughs> I a long time ago, obviously, I saw The Matrix with a woman that we're going to spend six years with. So, yeah, this theory holds a lot of water as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> you should uh, you should do a dating show. Well, if, I, if we did a dating show with my co-host Wayne, it'd be much more about Wayne's life than mine. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a fan of the Planet of the Apes series previously from the you know sixties and seventies? I certainly wasn't a fan of the the absolute piece of crap film directed by Tim Burton, starring Mark Wahlberg, Planet of the Apes. I, I have to imagine this is a Brad Fest special. It is. It is. <laughs> I, I am. Uh, I am actually quite a fan of the Tim Burton. Planet of the Apes movie. I hate that movie. I only watched it once and thought it was complete crap. I'm minding my language here so you don't have to bleep me out. So, uh, Well, it, it, you're, you're okay because this this is going to go on Patreon uh, and Patreon I don't care. All right. In that case, it, it's a piece of fucking <laughs> shit, Brad. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, the originals, Charlton Heston one, uh, I think everyone finds that it, you know, it's a memorable film. Everyone remembers mm-hmm. watching it. Everyone remembers the ending. I don't remember much about any of the subsequent sequels. I know I've seen a couple of them. I don't think I've seen them all. So, I guess, long story short, wasn't coming into this film with huge expectations. And okay. I'm not the hugest fan in the world, but I was keen to see what they could do. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I did not see this in the theater originally. And it was one of those, like, I had watched The Planet of the Apes a lot when I was a kid with my dad. And I am a fan of the Tim Burton film. <laughs> and I just... There was part of me that was like, I don't know if I want to see this like origin. It didn't really like hook me. So when I originally saw it, I was I didn't have like the highest expectations for it, and I was just kind of like eh with the film originally. Okay, I guess, and, and I think it was because I had. I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know if I was expecting like this big grand movie or or what it was. I got to ask then, did the expectations, were they matched, exceeded, or were you underwhelmed even worse than what you're expecting? I, I think I was underwhelmed okay. by, by the movie. It was, I was just like, eh, okay, that was cool, I guess. Because, I mean, I watched this one, the second one, and I never went on to the third one. Oh, wow. So, so you hadn't, you've, as we speak, you haven't seen War for the Planet of the Apes. I have not. Oh, that's no. exciting. <laughs> so, I'm excited to, that's why I wanted to kind of go back. It's one of those things, sometimes you, movies that are big that you're just like, didn't like, and I'm like, I, I need to revisit it. And this is one of those, like, ah, I kind of feel like I should revisit it. Okay. All right. And here we are. Whereas, yeah, I, I like, I've only seen the movie well, maybe I did watch it another time in between 10 years ago and, and re-watching for this purpose tonight. But it's a very vague memory the second time around. I did have, mm-hmm. I did enjoy this when I saw it at the cinema. I liked it. And obviously, I think the circumstances probably elevated it a bit. Um, and maybe I was a bit distracted when I first uh, <laughs> went and watched the film. But uh, revisiting it for this, yeah, I think it holds up pretty well. I mean, some of the effects are a bit dated for sure. But yeah. I mean, it, it did very well too when it originally came out. I mean, it did 176 million, 480 worldwide. So, I mean, it was a very successful movie. That's why, hence, we got sequels after this. Um, and I know a lot of people. I did for a while. 
thought that Matt Reeves did all three. Yeah, and I, I, I hear you. He he did not no. do this first one. Rupert Wyatt did this one. Did you say 186 who, worldwide or or domestic? 176 here uh, domestically, 480 yeah, worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had the same thing coming back into it. Mildly surprised as I remembered. Oh no, this isn't a Matt Reeves film because I. Yeah. One of the things I really like about this movie is the direction. And so I went and had a look at what Rupert Wyatt's done. I can't remember if I watched- He hasn't done a whole no, lot, really. I don't even know if I've seen The Gambler, which was his follow-up film with Mark Wahlberg. But I have certainly seen what I think is a very underappreciated film called Captive State in 2019. Okay. Which yeah. is a kind of aliens have already taken over our world type film and how humans are trying to kind of fight back. And for some reason, people hated it. And I watched it with very mm. low expectation, thinking, oh, it must be shit. Okay. But enjoyed it. I, I can say I, this is the only film of his I've ever seen. Mm. Well, <laughs> I haven't seen any of the others. I haven't. But he hasn't done a lot. No, he's so. done four films with the fifth one in production now. So hmm. Yeah. And this film stars James Franco, which the first time I saw it, James Franco is a scientist. Really, it took me a while <laughs> to uh, to try to like grasp this. Like <laughs> James Franco is a serious actor playing a scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he's kind but he. I mean, he did a good job. Ten years ago, James Franco, you can kind of pass as that guy who he's. I mean, he's a good-looking fella, obviously, but they can nerd him up just enough, and I think they did so in this film. I, I was shocked when I went back and rewatched it because it's been quite a while since I'd seen it. Of like John Lithgow, mm. I forgot he was in it as the dad, and uh, Brian Cox was in it just like a small role. Like I didn't know a lot of these actors were were in the film. He's good at everything, Brian Cox. He, need to, he brings enough of the hateful gravitas to this to this role oh, yeah. as well. And then Tom Felton doing this, he just kind of channeled his Draco Malfoy just to be a, a, a prick, just like he was in the Harry Potter movie. <laughs> Never seen a Harry Potter film beyond the first one, so I didn't know who Draco Malfoy was. But uh, yeah, okay. I agree. He's a prick in this film <laughs> through and through. And then, of course, we have Andy Serkis, who is known to mm-hmm. be like the motion capture god. I mean, he Lord of the Rings doing Gollum. And now he did three of these movies, and he's like the guy you go to if you need any motion capture expertise, basically. Great. I, I don't think he didn't get as much in this one as I know he does in the in the next films of like acting and stuff, but this is more of a movements and gestures mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Like he gets what two lines in the whole movie. Correct. He gets to yell no and then Caesar, Caesar's home. Look, I, exactly that. I reckon Andy Serkis probably should stick to motion capture acting and stop <laughs> directing films like Venom, Let There Be Carnage, because that would do the uh, world a favor. I you. <laughs> <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree on that. And this, did you, I know we mentioned the effects felt a little dated as, as we went on, like on a rewatch. In patches. Yeah, in patches, especially... I felt in Caesar's face because they really tried to make it his face seem more human mm-hmm. than the other apes to me. So I felt that some of his CG just kind of seemed a little off. Yeah. I mean, I would assume 10 years from now, she'll be lucky enough to still be watching films, you know, True. <laughs> on a big screen. We'll look back at the effects <laughs> now and go, whew. Uh, similar, similar story here in moments. But then there were other shots that look really good, particularly. Uh, early early on when the apes are running rampant through the 
through the lab and then into the boardroom. I thought all that stuff looked mm-hmm. really good. Oh, yeah. The, there were a lot that looked great. And then some, you're just like... Mm, yeah, that, obviously we ran our didn't... money there or we went too hard. <laughs> Uncanny Valley yeah. styles. Yeah. <laughs> Our budget's running out. We got to just hurry up and get this done. <laughs> exactly. We only get 93 million. It doesn't, only goes so far. Yeah. <laughs> and for those who don't know Rise of the Planet of the Apes, it's basically a prequel to setting up what we have known from planet of the apes this is kind of the they set it up to be kind of the beginnings of the apes and their as the title says rise to you know a higher intelligence and moving on with the james franco as a scientist he is working on a a drug that he's trying to help cure Alzheimer's, which his father, John Lithgow, has, and found out that the ape trials kind of gives them heightened intelligence. And the unfortunate unintended side effect of the subsequent drug is that it kills any humans that it infects, which yes. is how we wind up in a world where the humans are end up being enslaved by the smarter apes, or at least the equally yes. smart apes. So, that- that brought me to a question, though. There was a there's a moment in this film, and you're as you as a big fan of the original series, where they throw down a sort of newspaper, and it says on there, "Space shuttle disappears" or something like that. So, mm-hmm. are we therefore meant to believe that's Charlton Heston and Co. disappearing to whatever time vortex that sends them into the future? To me, that's kind of what I feel, or it's like as a little Easter egg that they mm-hmm. put in there to try to try to connect it to those other films, if in a way, I guess. Yeah, I mean. I- it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because we're saying a film made in 1968-ish yeah. is is a it happens after this movie, despite all the yeah you know, the, the fashion's probably not the right word, but you know what I mean. The old sensibility oh, of it, yeah. But then we get Drake Malfoy or Tom Felton saying at some point, "Get your damn paws off, get your paws off me, you damn stinking you dirty, dirty ape, ape, or something like that." Yeah. So and another one, a callback to those originals. So I think when fans were watching it, they'd be like, "Oh yes." Yep. Like, I know that line. <laughs> Which, you know, I guess it's, it's kind of wanting to have your cake and eat it too, but I didn't mind it because as a, as I say, at best a casual fan, I, I noticed these things and wondered about them, but it didn't throw me out of the film or it didn't mm-hmm. take away from the enjoyment of what I was seeing. So, And, and I will say, watching it the second time, I enjoyed it more this time through than I did the first time I saw it. It, it still kind of has some pacing issues like there are times where i'm just like okay let's let's get this rolling along i i I get that these apes are getting smart let's kind of move to the next the next thing so you saw that sort of second act where they're in in the sort of so to speak prison or the monkey uh, enclosure ape enclosure yeah yeah a little bit i i just kind of wanted to wanted it to kind of kind of get going because i knew where it was leading you know where it's leading and and it got to a point where i was like okay come on come on let's go <laughs> that just might be the 90 minute movie person in me just <laughs> like okay let's just keep this going okay thanks gerald <laughs> like like gerald <laughs> look i'm also someone who can complain about a really long film this one i didn't feel the pace on or the, the length of to be honest and i don't know if that's because i watched it over sort of two or three sittings so i'll watch this in my lunchtime today i'll watch more and i meant to I was going to finish watching it at lunchtime today, but I just burned through the rest of it last night because I was enjoying myself. I'm a real sucker, though, for prison films. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I like okay. films that are set in a prison, but the whole 
I think I'm so terrified of the concept of winding up in prison. Not that I have any reason to, but like <laughs> if I was accused of innocent man and go to jail, that's like just a nightmare for me. So watching how someone survives in there and rises to the top and takes things over is something that really works for me and to see Caesar go through that. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that whole, you know, how Caesar, he knows that he's smarter than the others mm-hmm. when he gets there. And, you know, and he's got the, when they tease him, when he's got the clothes on and yep. he, he, he's basically like, okay, I, I have to prove a way to be the alpha and, you know, brings the gorilla out. And I, I like his growth through that of like moving from now he, he thought, Oh, am I just a pet for you know James Franco? Mm-hmm. Am I am I a pet or am I you know going to lead kind of kind of thing? Like I, I did I did like that. Well, that as you say, the arc of being of being a pet basically through to being a leader is very well done through the course of this film. So that mm-hmm. where we get to for the second one, it leaves off in a, I think in a very organic place. And it was clearly they had very strong plans around we're doing another one of these at least, if not all three of these things from the get go because. The whole end credit sequence is, you know, a little bit uncomfortably in the world that we live in now, how a pandemic spreads yeah. <laughs> across the entire globe <laughs> via graphics while the credits are playing. I'm like, wow, that's that's a ballsy moment to kind of show it, that, yeah, we're all going to die. And it is scary, like, especially seeing that that credit scene of this virus that starts to spread because it, it hits, like you said, it hits so hard home mm-hmm. now because we're dealing with that, that. I'm just like, oh, these movies kind of hit a little bit differently than they did, you know, in 2011. Yeah. Rise of Planet of the Apes predicting coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> if the apes rise up, that's the next thing I'm telling you. If, the, if uh, coronavirus makes the apes smarter, yep. um, we're, we're in trouble. We are all in trouble. Everyone go watch this movie and arm yourselves quickly. <laughs> <laughs> what I also really liked about this is when they do escape out into the city and that scene on the bridge the climactic scene on the bridge really works mm-hmm. well I think because what really works about it and what sets Caesar apart from what you might have expected is he's trying to preserve the humans lives all the way through it he's constantly telling them no you know yeah he, yeah, he doesn't want them to kill yep. or any like he's fine with knocking them out or pushing them out of the way but when one's going to like beat down and killing them yep. he's like no and I think if he knows that if that happened, then they're going to come at them full guns blazing because they killed a whole bunch of people on their way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only once the helicopter with its minigun, because of course it has a minigun. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Turns around, starts firing them all. And, and of course, Buck, the gorilla gets killed, saving him effectively and allowing the rest of them to get away that mm. he lets the slimy executive who's just in it for the money sort of fall to his death in a really cool shot that shot where he <laughs> fell away in that helicopter I'm like, that was well done they spent money on that one this executive i guess has enough money to get a police helicopter with a minigun to well did he just jump in <laughs> the the yeah what they call yeah, he just the, jumped it, in uh whatever the equivalent of the rangers are for the for the city of san fran so yeah these wildlife protection agents are, they just happen to have a minigun on their on their helicopter <laughs> because because they're they're protecting wildlife they're like we should have one of these just in case that's right <laughs> things can get out of control you know yeah they could but yeah he just jumped in the helicopter he was like no and 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 jumped in i was like who is this guy who's this guy I think he is <laughs> just talks his way on there and yeah yeah oh still he got what was coming to him 
He did. Poor Tyler Labine, who's an actor I liked around this era. I don't see as much of him these days. He's the he's poor patient zero. He breathes in the gas from the uh, the drug, yes. and that's the end of that. Although it sounds like it wouldn't have mattered because this would have been manufactured and sent out to everyone. So mm-hmm. it would have spread regardless. So we get uh, the introduction to Cobra as well. So you haven't seen the last film in the series, but you've seen the second one, Dawn. I have seen the second one, but there's a lot of it I don't remember. So I'm looking forward to the rewatch to. Kind of I was surprised I know how little of the Cobra co- there was in this one, to be honest. I thought it was a much bigger feature. And and that's when I saw him, the, the Cobra uh, character, I know he becomes a bigger role. And I thought it was in this one when I originally watched it. When I'm watching it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is later mm-hmm. when we kind of get more of him. I, kind of, I guess I admire the balls on 20th Century Fox's behalf, obviously, rest in peace. But also the filmmakers here just to go, well, we've we've got we're laying seeds here and if it does well enough, we're gonna come mm-hmm. back. And obviously it did do well enough because we got in the end the whole trilogy. Yeah. And I don't know I haven't looked up how the the other two did, but then, you know, obviously the next two films we get Matt Reeves and then who is now taking over the Batman here very mm-hmm. soon. So I think that's kind of originally how I came about of like, oh, I'm going to rewatch these because I thought the whole trilogy was Matt Reeves. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's not. But he did most of it, two thirds of it. So, but yeah, this movie was very successful. And a lot of people like it's even reviews. I think it has a, like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it, it did overall, it was very welcomed and enjoyed by a lot of people. Yeah. And I, you know, at that time. I did not like it, but you know, I like movies that have more of like a ten percent than <laughs> than an eighty percent. So, ah <laughs> uh, yes, oh, I think your listeners will understand this, and certainly your patrons will know that uh, if it's a mainstream film, which uh, I mean, with the except obviously superhero and genre trappings, you're probably in for. So I guess maybe this is a surprise that a sci-fi uh, action's too strong. I think a sci-fi drama sci-fi thriller like this didn't float your boat i'm must have been i'm shocked to hear that you didn't like it the first time around yeah it, it yeah it just didn't the first time it, like i said it, it definitely better the second time so i am very looking forward to seeing the re-watching the second one and then actually finally getting to see war so we're coming back to do the second one next week right yes and then the third one are, the week after i don't know if i should give this away for free but the one i didn't like on first and only viewing is the second one. Okay. So I'm coming at the next one like the way you came at this one with a bit of like, eh, okay. For me, that was a real lull in the trilogy, whereas I really liked the mm. third one. So there you go. But okay. I've also, also only seen that one once. Yeah, I've only seen the first two once. Well, second one twice now, but and I, I own them all now. So well, that makes it easy. They're on, Dis- <laughs> so they're on Disney I Plus do like them. as well. That's where I watched it, Disney Plus. Oh, they're on Disney yeah, Plus on the over there, whatever it's called, the extra additional channel they added oh, okay. uh, with all the 20th century fox stuff the predator and the aliens and all those kinds okay. of things so yeah we don't we don't have uh that special channel here don't know if you need really, it it's only pg-13 and below on our disney plus yeah that makes sense <laughs> otherwise you got to go to hulu and then they don't have everything uh we don't have hulu here so it's not a thing in australia we have we have something <laughs> called stan which uh is like think the closest equivalent to a lot of things I hear you all talk about being on Hulu is are on Stan here or okay. the Australian version of Netflix, which seems to be 
obviously by region, Netflix does a lot of different things. So, mm-hmm. any uh, anything else you w- want to talk about for Rise of the Planet of the Apes? I think where the film, I mean, I, I think I've been a bit more praiseworthy. I don't know if we're going to give it a score or a grade on for your yeah. show. We will, okay, then you have. But a couple of things which do bring it down. In particular, I think it's the the very very unheralded and unimportant girlfriend role as pretty as uh, Frida. What's her name? Uh, Pinto. Frida is. Pinto. Yeah, she does nothing in this film. She's just kind of there. Yeah, yeah. She just she shows up. She becomes like this, uh, you know, the girlfriend character for a while for him to for Caesar to see you know, a relationship with someone yeah. else, but then she just kind of gets pushed to the background Her, and just pops in every so often. She's a conscience a little bit. She's meant she's meant to be like, yeah. you know, getting in his ear yeah. that way. And I think towards the end of the film when she does allow a James Franco's character to go um, racing across the, the bridge to chase Caesar and try and save slash help him, she causes a distraction which which stops the police officer from stopping him from running. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's what she's there for. She's there for one uh, one pivotal scene. And clearly she didn't make much of an impression because I looked her up and she's in barely anything after this film as well, So, um, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, she hadn't done too much because I looked her up too because she has a face she looked very familiar to me and I was like, I know her from somewhere. Lots of little things. She was in Immortals from, I think, that same year. But after that, it's a whole bunch. I didn't watch Hillbilly Elegy. She obviously, Andy Serkis obviously liked working with her because she's in uh, Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, that film he directed in 2018. <laughs> I never saw that one. I haven't seen it either. Uh, and that's it. I can't see anything else here yeah, that she- I would have seen. Night of Cups is not a film I will ever watch because it's a Terrence Malick film. Just lost half your audience. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a I'm not a giant fan. I almost walked out of the thin red line because it was awful. You mean the thin red stare off into the middle distance with a plaintive voice yes, coming over the exactly. top? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's for another time. Yes, for sure. All right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and give a rating out of five. What would you rate Rise of the Planet Eight? I am a notoriously a hard marker. Although this year on our show, my co-host seems to be marking everything harder than I am, and I'm loving it. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm giving this four stars. Soft four, but a four stars. Okay. Okay. Um, I It was ranging between a three and a three and a half. Okay. I'll probably land three and a half, but kind of a lower end of the All three. Right, so you're a soft three and a half. I'm a soft four. Yeah. Uh, that's a big pass, right, for this first collaboration? Yeah, yeah it is. It is. It's a... It's actually a surprise that we both fairly enjoyed a movie. Because <laughs> a lot of times you'll be like, that movie's crap. And I'll be like, no way, this movie is awesome. Yeah. Every so often we agree. <laughs> what was it? Last year, old. We both came back from old and just went, piece oh of shit. Oh, God. <laughs> that was crap. Uh, so, look, this has been All right. a pleasure. Been a pleasure, though, Brad, to talk about a film with you for the first time. It, it's It's been awesome. This is the uh, first time we've got to actually, like, talk a movie rather than me getting destroyed on the countdown doing uh, trivia. <laughs> uh, look, I think a lot of people have been destroyed in that in that process. <laughs> uh, what was the final score? Okay, I have to go back and, and collate all that. It wasn't that bad, was I think it? I, I think I ended up with zero. Yeah, again, you're not alone. You're not alone at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know most of my patrons already know where to find you because I know they listen to you, but where Thank can you. we find you and Wayne in the countdown? Uh, well, you can check out our new 
really crap looking website, but it is a website which for six years has we've never been able to get together. The countdownpodcast.com. That has links to, to everything. It doesn't quite have every new episode on there yet because that's an extra thing I have to do each week while Wayne goes out and dates women and leaves me with all the work. So <laughs> such is the plight of being married. Um, but otherwise, yeah, if you just search the countdown, I'm sure you'll find us. We're on pretty much all the podcatchers except uh, Google Play because they don't let Australian podcasts on there. We've been too badly behaved. Really? Yep. Oh, Only open that, to the North that, Americas. Maybe Europe. That is crazy. Mm. Wow. Okay. So, don't don't look on Google for the countdown, nah, but anywhere you else. You can Google it, but you can't hear us on Google Play. I don't <laughs> okay. even know what Google Play is. You can't even get it here. All right. Well, thank you again, Paul, and I look forward to talking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes next week with you. Likewise, Brad. Thanks so much for having me, and I'll uh, catch you next time. We'll see you.